Welcome to episode 164 of the Canadian Pepper Podcast, recorded June 5th, 2022. My name is Ian. I'm a hermit fueled by caffeine and hate on Vancouver Island. Eric can join us tonight. Something about a furry convention. I, I didn't quite hear what he said, but... I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. And I'm Jeff. I am based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, ham radio operator, general handyman, and weather nerd. And if you want to help support the show, keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt, shown off tonight by Jeff, and the cool Velcro tactical Velcro patch, not just Velcro, tactical Velcro patch, at prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on, the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback good or bad, or if there's a topic you want us to cover, uh, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, we have some uh, foundational content for you again this episode. We're going to start off with some recent news, uh, update our personal preps, then we'll get into the main topic, which is Prepping Basics Part 2, uh, news time. Well, it took me a good 15 articles scrolling through Google News to get past all the shootings and gun control articles. Once I got there, turns out a hurricane hit Florida, and you know, Alex apparently is being a bit of a dick to the uh, uh, to the peninsula there, and it's all the more reason to be prepared. Yeah, I heard there was, uh, I think it was towards the, the south end of Miami in that, that um, they got 11 inches of rain in like a day and a half. Sounds right. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's something. That's a little, little bit of water. That's about actually what we had. We had the BC floods uh, in the lower mainland. They were the washed out the highways. So I think it was, it was ten or eleven inches, something like that. It was it was crazy. Anyway, I think they're and actually playing. And you guys are in for more rain in BC, I hear. Yeah, well, I just saw the article that's I think you posted uh, on Discord. There, it was like uh, I guess northern BC and, and the interior is all facing more heavy rains again, but. We're surprisingly relatively dry out here anyway. For now. So, for now. Anyway, uh, speaking of scrolling through handgun matter articles, uh, in case you've been living under a rock this week, the government announced a basically an uh, impending freeze on handgun sales. Uh, probably going to slated for the fall, probably. But it clears Parliament and everything else because they don't have enough time to get it done before summer break. So, yeah, they've decided to uh, institute what amounts to a delayed confiscation and handgun ban because... They figure bans are the best way to make things disappear when they don't agree with certain aspects of what handguns do. Anyway. So, wait a second. Before, before you move on from this, let me just clarify this. We're going to ban things because it makes them go away. Is that is that the, the intent of, of this particular hundred percent action and, by, and, the, by, by the government? The, 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 the intent of the action is that banning the handguns will make the handguns go away. Is that clear? Is that right? Well, I think the average layperson would assume that they're trying to legislate the crazy away, but that's not going to happen. So, they're, yes, they're, they're banning the handgun because I always found that banning an item or an idea makes it work. And what's your next article, Ian? Oh, speaking of which, <laughs> because it turns out that banning drugs didn't work, um, BC decided to dec decriminalize some small amounts of hard drugs on a person because the war on drugs has been an abysmal failure for many reasons. So, so, so... Again, let me let me just make sure I understand. BC is decriminalizing hard drugs because banning things doesn't work. Banning Correct. things doesn't make them go away. Correct. 
at the same time, the federal government is issuing a ban on handguns because banning things will make them go away. Correct. Now you get it. Got it. Now and, I understand. And uh, <laughs> just just to throw something out there, somebody, I posted it. I'm not sure if it was Discord, but anyways, um, where they said um, last year, so 2021, I believe it was, there was somewhere in the vicinity of 6,500 or so um, overdose deaths in a year. Mm-hmm. So they decriminalize it. There were 277 handgun deaths. And a lot of those uh, were also, not a lot, but some of those were suicides. They considered them handgun deaths. You shoot, shoot and kill yourself. Um, but they're going to ban the handguns because of that. So, Well, if you take away suicide and, and gang on gang activity, then it's almost zero. But... I digress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, again, I would like to take this time to congratulate drugs for winning the war on drugs. It seems that uh, we lose ground on that every single day, or, or the legislation loses ground on that every single day. Um, Kyle has an, uh, an excellent question in the uh, in live chat there. Is being a Michigander not up to date? Are they also trying to do a buyback on the handguns as well? One... They can't do a buyback because they never owned them in the first place. So let's be really clear about that. Two, uh, there's not currently a, play, a, a, a plan to exchange goods for guns. Uh, however, there is there is an amnesty period every year where anyone who wishes to turn in a handgun they no longer want to have, they can do so to the local, to the local police department without um, having to declare it as being theirs or whatever. So somebody can say, oh, I found this and I'm going to give it to you even though I'm not licensed for it. Without and fear of going to jail for it. With all the mismatch of bans and, and changes in legislation going on the last few years, there has been a... Um basically a government decree banning certain long guns, in which case they've announced they're going to do a buyback in the future, or sorry, government paid confiscation in the future, not a buyback, Uh, but that hasn't been enacted yet. As far as handguns go, it's just strictly a freeze, so kind of like grandfathering with the idea that you still can't buy, sell, or otherwise deal in handguns. Just what you have is what you have after a certain date. Yeah, so handguns can't transfer ownership legally uh, because, of course, that means that they will never transfer ownership and nobody's going to hand a gun over to somebody else, despite the fact that something like 1,100 handguns are seized at the border every year being smuggled uh, illegally across the border. But banning them legally is going to do something to help with that. Totally. There we go. Jeff, what do you got? Some good news? No. No. (laughs) Unfortunately, um, I'm sure as everybody is... uh, well aware the uh, fuel prices continue to go up with no sign of uh, it letting off. Um, it's it's so bad. These are a couple of, uh, of American articles I've pulled out, but it's so bad that trucking companies are actually laying off their drivers uh, because they can't afford to continue to fuel the trucks and pay the drivers. Um, so we're going to take our fragile infrastructure, double the price of fuel, and then make our infrastructure no longer work because supply chain is uh, supply chain is the most important thing that we have for our economy. But gas is so expensive, we can't maintain our supply chain with the truckers. Yeah, and on the uh, on the con- on the continued side of that, not only are the fuel prices going up, 
most transport trucks or most diesel vehicles now require uh, DEF fluid, uh, diesel emission fluid. And um, it is also incredibly spiking in price. Um, there's a, an article I've got in there and, and basically the long and the short of it is uh, the vast majority of those of uh, DEF is done by, um, it's moved around by rail and the rail companies are looking at limiting uh, the distribution, just they want to, you know, be able to put more stuff on the train. Um, they're only still having the one train, but they want to be able to put more stuff on it. So if you limit everything else, you can put more stuff on. It's just going to be a disaster. Um, and another thing somebody mentioned, which ties into this too, is uh, a large part of uh, the deaf fluid uh, one of the ingredients is urea, which, by the way, is a fertilizer, which, by the way, is in short supply. So you can see where everything is cascading and just continuing to pile on and pile on. So that double whammy of the train that transports the deaf crashing that had a, a complete load of fertilizer on board is just making things that much worse. Yep, yep. the potash train there, yep. yep. Uh, yep. Awesome. They were... Uh, not not trying to scare anybody or well it is what it is uh i was just listening to uh a guy today and they're they're anticipating um gas regular gas in ontario will be pushing 230 to 235 by the first of july well i mean don't even sorry scaremonger actually what you're talking there jeff i decided to look across the street there at, at uh, what's going on over in vancouver uh, super save gas in Richmond right now, 229 cents per liter, 0. 0.9. So 230 cents per liter. Wow. Yeah. Already. Yep. yep. So there you go. So, I think you have to wait till July. Well, I, uh, I think it's time for me to go buy a bicycle. <laughs> yeah. What else you got, Jeff? Uh, the only other one I got, uh, again, it's, it's a U.S. one, but it, it, it applies to Canada as well, um, is just simply that, uh, the electrical grids uh, are not designed, they're old, they're, they're not designed to handle um, basically climate change. So the increased hot weather, the extreme cold sometimes, and uh, a lot of the U.S. Uh, electrical grids are already putting up the warning flag saying if we get an extended heat wave, we may not be able to provide you with consistent power. So you may have blackouts, you may have you know, rolling blackouts, brownouts, whatever. Um, and I'm not surprised that it would uh, come north of the border as well. Hmm. Cool. Good thing they've been decommissioning all those power plants lately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Well, what we done lately, preps? Uh, I did a little work on my Faraday box. I'm almost done. Uh, and I just uh, did some yard work this week. I just was too busy doing other stuff, so... I'm getting there. It's almost done. Cool. I, I got very little done. Um, got some yard work done. Uh, that's about it. Otherwise, it's been uh, it's been a busy week of working. Can't uh, do heavy duty preps all the time. That's for sure. That's true. Yep. I did. Uh, I did cycle through my um, um, cycle through my generator after I used that. So I did the did kind of the shutdown maintenance on it. Um, did some maintenance on my yard equipment. Got my. Uh, lawnmower 
tuned up now it starts first pull um, as long as I put a vice grip on the cable until I can get a replacement because the replacement cable is out of stock hmm. yeah alright uh, actually I got to exercise some emergency preps this week I had a bit of an emergency at work which allowed me to come home early which was fantastic so uh, <laughs> I had more time at home to work on my preps uh, got to do a little battery inventory um not just like double A's, triple A's, but all those button batteries that you use for everything from red dot sites to weigh scales to like, I don't know, there's everything. What doesn't use a CR2032? Even computers use them, right? My so, watches. I don't have a single watch that uses a CR32, despite the number that I have in my drawer. Really? Well, I guess they'd all be smaller than that, wouldn't they? Yeah, they all but are. Anyway. Yep. Um, but yeah, like, I, you know, you go to the dollar store and you buy a bunch of those little button batteries and you think you got enough. And actually, I took a look through and I guess my kids have been eating them or something. So I, need to actually up, up my CR2032 game. Um, the fishing rod sales in the last week, fishing rods. Um, yeah, between the, the registry coming in for the long guns and the handgun freeze, there's just panic buys. I don't think there's a single handgun really left in Canada for sale anywhere <laughs> right now. I, uh, I tried to get one myself, and I ended up getting uh, jerked out of a deal uh, by the retailer. They I guess they oversold their inventory, and I guess I was left holding the bag on that one. Um, let's see here. Did some car maintenance. Did you, did you find any good deals on CGN? Uh, well, here's the funny story. If you if you actually buy a handgun on CGN right now, the, you can't get through to the Canadian Firearms Center, so you actually can't make the transfer happen, so you can't legally buy one right now. So CGN is almost like frozen solid for transfers because of the handgun sales freeze like mania right now. So CGN is pretty much offline. There, I, said, I think I said, what, four times the sentence there? I think that was five between the two of us. All right, cool. Um, some carbines. I had for my bug out trailer, the wiring harness for the trailer, as it turns out, was shorting out my truck and causing my signal lights and brake lights and ABS and everything to go offline. Uh, so thanks to the other mentor, I managed to figure that out. Or he managed to figure it out. I just managed to watch. And uh, yeah, so at least the truck's back in use, which is good because I can't even get chicken feed without the truck or anything else. So... I uh, had to do so much need to car maintenance on that. And then some underbrush clearing uh, from where I knocked down those trees over the winter. We had a bunch of pine needles and branches and everything sitting close to the house still. Getting near fire season, so we wanted to make sure we cleared out that stuff. So, um, yeah, spend a bunch of time doing that, and that's pretty much it. I think. Anyway, main topic time? Sure. So, um for anybody who was not here, uh, the last episode was kind of Basic Preppers 1.0, and we did a lot of, and it was mostly on generators. Um, I'm not going to throw shade on them, and I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I have two, two generators of my own, because as you know, Preppers, one is none and two is one. So, um, But they, they're nice. They're, they're very convenient to have, but that's the thing. They're nice to have. They're not a must-have. Uh, believe it or not, you can survive without a generator. It's not going to be pleasant. I know you have to be able to put your phone in. Your laptop might die. Your internet might not work. I know it's going to be tough. That's not. But, that's not an apocalypse I'm willing to live in. Yeah, uh, I, I, clearly, Jeff. Did you have daughters? Because I mean, if their cell phones don't work, you know, like that's it. Like there's just there's, nope. no hysteria, right? At least nobody's come knocking on my door on Father's Day. So, All right. um, but the one thing you can't survive without. Um, is, is, is food and water, but more specifically water. So anybody who's new here in prepping, we kind of go by a measurement of 
of things in threes. So what I, what I mean by that is um, we basically say bad things start to happen after a certain time limit. Um, so that's three minutes without oxygen, uh, three hours without shelter and adverse conditions, three days without water, and three weeks without food. So I just want to concentrate kind of on the last two there, the, the three days without water, three weeks without food. Yes, you can last three weeks without food. It's going to be horrible. It's not going to be pleasant. Every bug you see on the ground, you're going to want to devour, but um, you, you can survive uh, that amount of time. So uh, if there's uh, an emergency, such as the big storm that went through Ontario, um, depending on how bad it really is, chances are you're going to get help before you starve to death. But, but there's a reasonable or, or maybe even a more than reasonable chance that you may not get help in those three days before you die of dehydration. Um, so for, for me, uh, water is the absolute number one thing on my list. Uh, we recently did a podcast on water, so I'm, I'm not going to take up, you know, half the show chatting about it. Um, go back, have a listen, have any questions, fire stuff in on the feedback. Um, we'll, we'll help you out there. Um, so basically from my, my end of it, you know, your, your, your power goes out, you don't have water, you live in the country, you've, you don't have a generator, your, your, your power goes out. From my end of it, first thing you do is a quick recon. Go down to your, your road, look down both ways. If all you can see is a stretch of hydro poles that are on the ground, you know chances are you're not going to have hydro for quite a while. So you need to quickly source or um, have water. So, um, you know, have a, if it's not clean, make sure you have a way to purify it. We covered that in that last episode, life straws, um, you know, water purification tablets, things like that. Um, go back on that. If you, um, if you've got containers uh, and you're on a pressure pump, you're going to have some pressure after the power runs out, fill up every container you can find with, with water before your pressure runs out. Um, I've went around uh, about two weeks ago. A small town that my mom has a trailer near had a kind of a citywide or townwide garage sale on a weekend. And I motored around on Sunday to see if there was anything left people were trying to get rid of. And I found three of these uh, 23 liter water jugs. Two of them were brand new. They still got the lids, the tags, the secure thing on the tags. Never been used for free. So um, don't be afraid to look around. Um have ways to, to fill your water. Um, and, and I would say that the same thing applies if you're on municipal water. The, the pressure may still be there, but at some point the water may not be good to consume anymore. Well, uh, if, yeah, if the, yeah, if you, if how they purify it or whatever fails or, or something goes wrong, um, you may not have that, that water that's good on day one may not be good on day two or you may go to bed with water and wake up in the morning and you don't have any so just because you're on a municipal water doesn't mean you shouldn't be stocking on water well yeah because i mean most of those towns in ontario where it's relatively flat you get the the water tower in the middle of town of course the electric 
you know, pumps have to pump it up. So they have a nice steady pressure system going down, but eventually that tower's going to empty out. Right. So, yep. and then plus, yeah, like over where we are, same thing, the power is out for a couple of days and they lost the ability to do any sort of, uh, I guess, water purification. So then the water still flowed, but it was coming straight out of the Creek. So, you know, do what you want after that. Right. Yep. I think, uh, fever, fever is an effective, is an effective weight loss tool. Yeah. I mean, South beach diet, Giardia, it's kind of the same, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, actually, uh, the other thing that I kind of think we should touch on too for beginner preppers is, you know, you, you go to the government websites, you go to some of these pre-made packs that have survival supplies and stuff. They always have enough drinking water, but they don't have enough water for like first aid use for doing dishes for like, even for cooking to add, like you have to add water to food or whatever. Um, they never seem to take any of that into account. So, you know, when they say one gallon per person per day, that's like absolute bare minimum with no, not even so much as a wipe your armpit kind of thing, but like, it's yeah. and, and and the and the other thing that that you're right they they touch on the drinking one all that one thing a lot of people don't think of is how are you going to flush your toilet that stuff can't sit there forever um it's eventually you're eventually going to have to get rid of it one way or the other so um save your gray water for that don't don't put it down the drain keep your gray water and use that to flush the toilet with yeah if you can yep um another thing that um you know, a source of, uh, of of water if you become desperate is uh, your hot water tank. No power anymore. The water's not hot. You've, you know, got probably several days or more of water sitting in your uh, your hot water tank. Again, you know, make sure that that you may want to purify it after it's been in there. But um, yeah, just make sure you flush the bottom. Because like, there's, there's always a drain valve at the bottom. Just flush it out yep. first because it tends to get a little bit of sediment in it. And um, not a bad idea to flush. To, to flush flush that water on a you know quasi regular basis anyways, yeah. Um, but it, like a, a good a good basic rule like one five gallon water jug per person that lives in your house is a good place to start. Like that'll get you that'll get you a couple of days worth for everybody. Yeah, and 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 just remember that these are only basic guidelines. Like when 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 we say three days without water, that's not saying it's the middle of summer and it's ninety five degrees out and you're sweating like crazy. If that's the case, you're not going to last three days. So, um, you know, like I say, do that quick recon. If it looks bad, start filling jugs. Don't waste time. Don't, oh, well, you know, looking around, is this going to come on? Is that going to come on? The water's not going to go bad. If you don't need it for that emergency, then you've got a supply of drinking water, put it in the fridge, and that's your drinking water for the next week or so or more. I think Kyle B is not a big fan of the pre-made kits because he says, yeah, selling dehydrated water to the unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, can't can can dehydrate water. Just just open it up and add water, and you're good to go. Yep. Yeah, yes. Right. Yep. Um, and Darius makes a good point that isn't taking into account how dehydrated dehydrated you were before the incident even started. So, you know, stress doesn't help with dehydration, and especially if you're exer exerting yourself with sweating and everything else. Yeah, it's uh, it's more than a gallon per day for sure. I mean, I kind of laugh when yep. they always so, say a gallon. Yep. So so just basically to wrap it up and let let everybody else go there is uh don't waste time if if your power's out you don't have a backup source there's no way to get water get it into containers while there's still some pressure in your uh in your pressure tank and uh you know it doesn't matter fill your bathtub fill jugs you have glasses bottles anything anything nothing is off the table uh to to put the water in cool 
And uh, always, you know, you can always check back. We did. Uh, I know one of our really, I think one of our first episodes. I think it was maybe episode nine, seven or nine, something like that. Was the first time we ever talked about water, and then we just did one a few weeks ago again. Uh, go back and uh, listen to that about some some more in-depth ways to do that. Uh, my most basic piece of advice for new preppers is always the risk analysis. Uh, and that might be you know, part and parcel of what I do for a living, but um, look at what could go wrong, look at what how likely that is to happen, and then what's the severity of consequence if that does happen. Uh, the higher the likelihood of something of something happening. So uh, where Ian lives, for example, wildfires are uh, are a much higher risk than they are for me. I there's a very there's a very low chance of a wildfire burning down my house. So it's not something that I take a lot of I put a lot of effort into preparing for. Um, whereas for Ian, that might be a higher priority. Even for Jeff, where he lives, it, it might be a, it's a higher priority for him than me. Uh, the flip side of that is I am much closer to um, you know big water than Jeff is. So for me, flooding is more of a risk than uh, than it is for him. Um, I will say when we you know we talked a lot about generators last night and. Kyle, this is just for you. Uh, if you don't have a generator and the power goes out, you don't have a problem with CO. Just throwing that out there. Uh, there Twenty-five go. minutes and eighteen seconds for the stats keepers. Um, so the the higher the consequence, and then the higher the or the higher the, the the risk of something happening, and then the or the higher the likelihood, and then the higher the consequence makes the higher risk. Those are the things to focus on. Um, as we as we talked about, um, you know the the. The rule of threes, right? Three minutes without air, three hours without shelter, three days without water. Um, which of those is the highest priority, right? So on a on a nice day, right? Today where I live, it was you know sunny. It was you know twenty degrees or seventy degrees for the for the Americans out there. Um, it's going to be a little cool tonight, but it's not. You know, there's no rain in the forecast. Um, I can probably I could probably make that three hours without shelter stretch out to three or four days without shelter. Um, but if I'm going, if I'm trying to go three weeks without food, somebody's going to die. It might not be me, but somebody's going to die. Um, so that's a much higher priority for me, right? Um, as it, as it stands, um, yesterday I managed to break my ankle. I can't drive for a few weeks. Um, if I, and, and then I happen to be home alone for most of this week. So if I'm not prepared for that, I could be in dire straits. Now, in this particular case, it's a phone call away. Hey, come bring me something, right? You know, I don't, you know, where I live, Uber Eats doesn't deliver, but, um, you know, I can always call somebody and get something if I need it. Um, if that were a more severe situation where, say, there's no power and the stores are closed and I can't drive somewhere, then I could be in real, I could be in real trouble. So that's a higher, that's a higher, higher likelihood of risk for me and a higher consequence. Um, I am. I am not uh, not interested in going three weeks without food. That's again just not a not an apocalypse I want to live through. Um, the one thing that Jeff didn't mention is that we can go. You know, we get that three th that three weeks, three days without water, three weeks without food, but we're three seconds without hope. So if you don't have a plan for what you're going to do or where you're going to go or what's going to happen, um, the situation gets really overwhelming very quickly, and that is. Um, that is probably the number the number one thing. Panic kills more people than anything else. We learned this in the fire service. Panic kills more people than a, than a clear head. Uh, the fire ever will, right? Not not knowing what to do when that disaster strikes. So um, that's always my number one. Do a risk analysis. What's going to happen around you? What has happened? What could happen? Um, you know, could there be a you know a, a high atmosphere nuclear detonation that you know? 
causes that causes widespread you know nuclear fallout and all kinds of bad things yes there could be the likelihood of that in this particular area is pretty low the consequence of that is you know rather dire but um the, the likelihood of that is, is really really low so that gets that gets a lower priority than a long-term power outage or a tornado blowing through which you know has happened both at the same time uh in the last two weeks so we've had i've had th we've had three power outages now in the last in the last three weeks uh, which is you know obviously a higher uh, higher likelihood um but as we mentioned it's a fairly low consequence it's an easy thing to prepare for uh, and what I've found is that as you prepare for one thing, you'll find that those preps translate into other into other emergencies pretty well as well. Like there, there's there's nothing new under the sun when you start breaking down the basics of what you need. Well, yeah, and basically, if you're covered for water, and you're pretty much covered for everything else, you know, yep. that's just a foundation for pretty much any prep you think about. Exactly. So if you're covered for shelter, water, and food, the rest the rest is details. Mm-hmm. So that's so, always my always my number one. Right on. So uh, my end for for stuff here, I just want to talk about some pantry ideas. I get asked a lot at work from some of the coworkers if they want to start getting to this sort of thing. Um, as far as what they should store for food. Um, so number one thing is eat what you store and store what you eat. So there's no sense in buying, you know, I guess a but you know five thousand pounds of lentils if you don't like lentils and have no intention of making like 47, every 47 cans of lima beans <laughs> exactly <laughs> not gonna do you a whole lot of good even if you get them in a really cheap deal it doesn't matter because you don't really eat them or even like them for that matter um dietary fatigue is a thing too right so i mean you can't buy a bunch of the same stuff but i guess if you're gonna go grocery shopping on a regular basis um instead of buying two cans of heinz beans maybe buy four and just that way you'll have like this week's and ne next week's taken care of it eventually if you keep doing what they call ghosting or doubling or there's all sorts of ways to describe it um yeah eventually it's a small incremental increase in food cost but eventually you'll have an excess collection that should add up to a month or two months down the road of, of excess food of stuff that you normally would eat anyway so that's that's a huge bonus it takes a while to get going but uh keeping in mind with the way inflation's going right now i don't think food will ever be cheaper than it is right now because it's only going one direction, it seems. Uh, would it be like mm -hmm. thanks to the gas crisis and everything else. And then if we so, start uh, laying off truck drivers, it's just going to get worse. Yeah, and I guess on that note, if you are going to buy four cans of beans, make sure you put the newest stuff at the back and use the older stuff first. That's what we call rotations. So when we refer to rotating gas stocks or food stocks or anything else, we're just trying to use up the oldest stuff first to keep these things, you know, globally, I guess, as fresh as possible in your supplies. First um, in, first out. Yeah, so because the, the, the worst thing you could possibly do is have a can of beans sitting in the back of your shelf for 10 years and you've got like uh, a, a new one that's like a week old that you ate just, just now and there's a 10-year-old one in the back that's not even edible anymore, so it's not really good to you at all. So no. um, a couple of things just I want to talk about. We've mentioned shelf-stable a bunch uh, in the podcast and just for new people. Uh, shelf-stable just means it doesn't require refrigeration. Generally, doesn't require anything other than being left on a shelf in a kind of a cool, dark place and should be good on its own for at least a year. Um, most, I guess, boxed items are, are pretty much shelf-stable unless they're like high fat or something. Um, stuff, that stuff that lives on the dry shelves in the grocery store can live on the dry shelf in your pantry. Yeah, exactly. So if it's not in the periphery of the grocery store, like the meat or the dairy or the produce section, uh, chances are it's probably shelf-stable. So... Yeah. Um, just a quick note too, we've certainly done an episode or two or th three on it now, but canning um, is a gateway prep for 
you know, it's just we're planting our gardens right now, and eventually we're gonna have some excess garden, uh, pro, uh, like I guess results. Um, maybe just start thinking about canning in the fall. Um, that's one of those things you can start getting into well ahead of time. Start collecting up your supplies. That is just something that might fit in naturally to what you do anyway with gardening. Um, and we are in garage sale season, and garage sales are a great place to find mason jars. Yeah, and actually, I noticed that lids are back in Canadian Tire and a bunch of other places. Like you actually get mason lids again, so. Mm-hmm. Good time to stock up before everybody panics again. Um, and then the other thing I guess I've had guys at work ask me about too is the uh, the meals ready to eat, the MREs or nope. the the, the twenty five year Augustine Farm foods and everything else. Nope. That's like you know that's like autism level stuff for preppers. Like so, if if you've got everything else taken care of, then you can look at those. But for now, I think those those can wait for the average guy uh, because not only they're a little more expensive, not so much per meal, but just as a as a lump sum purchase um they're just they're not very not tasty good. yeah they're not they're, good they're, they're, they're terrible for you like they're, they're nutritionally like they're they're very calorically dense but it's, it's just it's mostly sugar and carbs before you go out and buy this this is like again like the number two thing that i tell people when when they ask about being prepared the number the number one thing is do your risk analysis the number two thing live for a week on mres before you before you plan to live for a year on mres yeah. Oh, because everybody, everybody I know that's eaten more than five of those in a row can't poop for a month. Well, they taste like crap. Yeah, they bung you up. They're full yeah. of chemicals. There's they're not a not. whole lot of organic material in those. <laughs> like, yeah, they're 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 not they're not good. They're not good for you. Um, they are they are good emergency. Like gets you through. It's not a bad idea maybe to have one as part of your get home kit. So if you've got to have a meal on the road, that's okay. But don't plan on eating those over any length of time. It's not. Um, it's it, that's not a sustainable option. Yeah. So like, um, they're they're great for shelf life, but not a whole lot else. So I mean, you can get some pretty good shelf life out of like you know vacuum sealing and stuff and putting oxygen absorbers in your food and stuff. Um, much more cost effectively, I guess, than buying like a 25 year food pre-made by somebody else. So just want to touch on that quickly for new people. And then the other thing too, uh, I guess to touch on the water and the food and everything else without a generator, you're going to need to have some sort of way of cooking your food. So I guess a lot of people talk about using their barbecue to cook food. Well, the problem is with that is for the average new person is you don't seem to realize how inefficient barbecues are because takes a lot of propane to actually like cook a meal and you might get like 10 good pro- uh, barbecue sessions before your tank's empty. That doesn't do you a whole lot of good unless I'm like the world's worst barbecue. But um, I've, I've, I, I mean, I, I, I barbecue at least, at least twice a week, usually three times a week. And I'll go through a, a, a tank um, every maybe three months. Yeah. So if I'm, so if you're, if you're extrapolating that out and I'm using the tank, you know, I'm using my barbecue twice a day instead of three times a week. Then instead of you know twelve weeks, it's probably going to last me two weeks at the, at yeah. the most. Oh, Kyle B just wants to say quickly: uh, jalapeno cheese spread for the win. You realize that's about two molecules away from plastic, right? Yeah, it, it's it's worse for you than margarine. <laughs> and yeah, Joe does point make a very good point. Yeah, barbecue is going to attract people right away. So if you're going to use your barbecue to cook food in the the zombie apocalypse, probably not a great idea if everybody else is starving to death. And uh, depending probably. on where you live, it may attract more than just people, a.k.a. bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a couple uh, alternatives just to think about quickly. Um, for those of you lucky enough to have a gas stove top, depending on how your gas is supplied by a, a tank at your acreage or town lines, it could be a viable alternative. 
Uh, the one, then, sorry, sorry, the one thing I was going to say on that, Ian, is um, just you should test your uh, your gas stove. Just the newer, a lot of the newer ones, believe it or not, they still require hydro to function. If It's just a safety feature, so you can't turn it on when there's no hydro for CO and stuff like that. So um, it's got a little check valve in it, and as soon as it detects no hydro, it closes the line. So you uh, you just may want to check your stove, unplug it, and see if it'll still light. There are Jeff, ways around it. Um, are you suggesting that we test our kit, Jeff? That's the uh, first time we've ever suggested that on this show before. Yeah, I know, I know. But it just... There, well, I'm glad you mentioned there is jailbreaks for that too, right? Like, I mean, you can... I would never recommend voiding your warranty or something, but if you knew how to do it in case of an emergency, um, yeah, there, most stove tops will work without power if you just take care of some business up at the top left corner of the stove. <laughs> just saying. For, for, for legal purposes, that is not advice. Yeah, that is just entertainment purposes only. Actually, our propane uh, range shop does not require electricity at all. The only thing that won't work, of course, is the sparkle units used to bring up the barbecue later, but that works perfectly. So it's basically just a straight valve, so uh, it does work. Um, if your gas stove top is not an option and you or you have an electric stove top, then you can always proceed to your uh, fireplace. Hopefully, like you have a wood stove insert or something with a nice flat top on it. Um, that is an alternative to heat your home, cook your food, and uh, boil your water all at the same time. It's just a thought. Um, then there's always the, the Coleman camp stove. Q Allen. As long as you're cooking outside or you have a good CO detector in your house. <laughs> or an open window or something. Yep. Yeah, something to uh, something to offset the obviously giant flames on the inside of your house, but or not being in an enclosed area or, or everything else. There's there's ways around it. Um, and other than that, I just saw in Costco the other day, I think I put it on the Discord, uh, just an outdoor propane burner. You can hook up your 20 pounder to like one circular uh, propane uh, element that will, you know, put out enough BTU to boil a large pot of water or anything else. So if you have nothing else, and maybe just uh, outside on your deck, if you have a townhouse or whatever, you can always do the outdoor propane burner if you really, really had to. And if none of those are options for you, then, um, you know, there's always dig a hole and make a fire. Just again, plan for having a, having a, a fire safely clear the area around it all the all the general campfire rules you've got to have some fuel for that for that wood uh, and if you're going to be cooking over the wood make sure that 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 wood is good clean burning stuff not uh not pressure treated or dried or whatever uh, definitely a good definitely a kind of a, a last resort option but it's still but still an option and kyle says i could just see Scott saying, back in my day, we didn't have stoves. Back in his day, he didn't have bears either. It was all mastodons. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did have wood stoves. And he didn't, and he didn't have electricity, so I don't know his fascination with generators. but Or gas fires, for that matter. But he did have wood stoves, and he did, you know, so they, they did burn wood back in the day. I mean, man make fire, right? Um, if you're looking for a fun project because everybody's got so much spare time on their hands, um, look up the IKEA utensil holder um, rocket stove. Uh, so the IKEA, the the stainless steel IKEA utensil holder is is it's a cylinder about eight inches tall, four inches across, uh, perforated, so it's got lots of airflow, and you cut a little hole in the side, and you can kind of jam your sticks underneath. Uh, that'll 
that'll get good and hot and you can boil uh, boil water on that pretty quickly. So it's uh, it's a fun little backup project um, and it'll run on twigs. You don't have to have, you know, split lumber kicking around. Um, but uh, a twig stove is a fun uh, is a fun project if you're looking for something to do. Cool. I'll throw I'll throw a link in the show notes to that. Uh, other than that, I guess we should probably work on uh, Brad's notes there. Uh, he yeah. So so he uh, I'll I'll cover the one. So he talked about um, he's got a bunch of solar garden lights around his house. A uh, box of six of them at the local hardware store or home improvement store is about twenty bucks. Most of them have either a, a AA or a AAA rechargeable battery inside. Uh, they can be used um, for things like flashlights or, or anything else you need. Uh, charge them up during the day. Uh, either bring them inside for light. You can use the actual uh, charged up light at night in your house. No CO. Uh, or take the battery out and you can use it in a different device, a battery or a, I mean, a, a radio um, or anything else. Um, I think that's a fabulous idea. I would have never even thought of that, but uh, that's a fabulous idea. We uh, actually, part of our debrief after the the last major power edge we had, we talked about putting the like little battery powered dot lights in, uh, in the specifically the bathroom. So you can just kind of tap it and have a little bit of light to see what you're doing at night that way you don't have to you know we don't have our our whole house hooked up to a backup generator like you know eric does for example so we uh, uh we were just thinking about that as a backup right it doesn't take it doesn't it just has i think it's a two, two double something, something i'm talking like, about ex exactly like that they're cheap exactly they stick like on the that. wall it's got a battery in the back it's got a magnet yeah stick it on the wall and yeah, stick it, stick it on the wall. You can stick it to a metal stud. You could probably stick it to your uh, to your it's, mirror. Most it's mirrors got are a, magnetic. It's got a little coat hanger type thing on it. You can yeah. you can hang it Throw somewhere if you want it. It's it's LED. It doesn't take much uh, power. Yep. So those are those are those are cheap and easy to come by. Um, those those will run for a really long time on one or two batteries, uh, depending on the the type you get. And then you can uh, you know you've you've got it there so that if you um, if you, you don't want to try and hold the flashlight in your mouth while you're trying to brush your teeth at night or whatever, then um, you've got uh, you've got some ambient light. Cool. Uh, I think uh, Scott or sorry, Brad also had a list of hundred items that uh, will disappear fast in an emergency. So I just put that in the uh, show or show notes as well as well as the uh, chat. And I was offline there. What did we miss? Um, we, we were just we were just going down the list, so we just talked about the uh, the, the lights. But um, a really good point from Brad: uh, manual can openers, and uh, like three or four of those, they're pretty cheap. Um, that's well worth the money. There's nothing more frustrating than um, your can opener not working when you want it to. Now there are other ways, of course. You take the uh, take the can, put it on its put it uh, you know upside down on the uh, on the concrete, and you can basically grind off the grind off the top. You can probably do the same thing with a file or. Uh, or a Dremel if you've got if you've got the power for it, but if you've got the power for that, you probably don't need a manual can opener. Uh, but that's uh, um, you know it, it's better to just go and spend an extra ten bucks and have another can opener. I should even go to the dollar store and get a bunch of those cheapy ones just for butter items. There you go. Because people may only have electric ones and not have the ability to open a can, and not how their little Boy Scout Swiss Army knife version works either. So, yep. Um, yeah, no, for sure. And disposable disposable plates and cutlery. Uh, save your save your drinking water. Just throw your uh, throw your plates in the fire pit, or tie them up in 
keep them keep them away from animals. But um, yeah, you 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 have less high you have less water needs if you're not uh, if you're not doing dishes. Not a bad idea to keep those. And then uh, lots and lots of tin foil. Um, we have a we have kind of a, a longstanding joke in this family where um, we give each other about a hundred like the big hundred meter rolls of tin foil every couple of years. Uh, I think we've we've had one now for three. We we got it for three Christmases three Christmases ago, um, and we're not even halfway through it. But you can use it for everything, not just for hats. Great hats out here too. Yeah, I was gonna say. Listen, it's far more efficient to line the the attic of your house with it, <laughs> and then you don't have to worry about your hat all the time. That is true. But actually, even if you're just going to cook on your car uh, exhaust manifold, I mean, tinfoil, yep. right? Yep. Cook in a, in a campfire. Or, I mean, whatever. heck, if, you've got, if you have to, you know, do some body work, apparently that's all my cars, my, my truck's made out of anymore, so. Yeah, or if you've, if you've got that fire going outside, just wrap up a bunch of potatoes, throw them in the, throw them, just throw them right into the fire. You got your baked potatoes. Yep, absolutely. We used to do that all the time. We dice up all our, dice up all our stuff in, in yep. scouts, right? You dice up all the uh, the potatoes, onions, meat, whatever. Throw it in the fire. It will go away for three or four hours. You come back and you've got uh, you've got a nice hot cooked meal. Awesome. Well, I know we're a little uh, sh short today, but uh, we we lost a couple panelists there. But uh, we've got a bit of a new section we'd like to introduce now for the uh, the podcast. It's going to be Jeff's weekly weather blurb. So Jeff, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, as I said in my um, my intro there, I'm I'm a bit of a weather nerd. I've I've been that for a while. Um, I've been up close and personal to a couple of tornadoes in my uh, my life. So um, and considering where I live and and all of that, I'm I'm always very and everybody should be. It shouldn't be just me. Everybody should be very cognizant of the weather that's going on around you. Um, you know, pay attention to the forecast two days from now because the last thing you want to do is say, hey, I'm going to go for a hike tomorrow and you get, you know, 10 kilometers out of town and you're into uh, a pretty uh, significant or severe thunderstorm or even possibly a tornado or something. And, you know, when all you had to do was look at the forecast and I, I mean, I get it. I know that um, a lot of the forecasts aren't uh, accurate but at least they give you an idea. I mean, when they say isolated thunderstorms, it, this is exactly what it means. It's isolated to different areas, but um, there's a chance you could have it. So, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep that up to date as I can. I, I do put stuff on uh, the Discord blog when when stuff's coming up. So, um, so just uh, my one for this week is uh, for tomorrow. Uh, in Ontario, there's uh, isolated severe thunderstorms with a slight tornado risk. Uh, in uh, western Ontario, southwestern Ontario, basically a line from Collingwood down to Toronto and anything west is severe thunderstorms. And yeah, kind of yeah, up yeah. In, yeah, and kind of up in the middle of that area. So Godridge, Concordon, Owen Sound, over towards uh, Orangeville, Grand Valley, that area, they have a slight tornado risk. So... If you're anywhere near that area, um, just, uh, again, keep your eye on the sky. Know what's coming. Hmm. Kyle mentions the fact that he may have very well invented the Farmer's Almanac. Well, you never know. I'm pretty, it, was called, it was called the Jeff's Almanac, but then it was too specific, so they had to broaden it to farmers. Yeah, more, more broad appeal. Um, Wellsby Roots mentions uh, I missed on the other CPP. Well, after 22 years with the same company, I was hoping to get Sundays and Mondays off. You think that would happen? No. So talk to my boss. 
And uh, that's it. Oh, yeah, Denny. Actually, that's a very good point, Denny. Uh, he didn't realize that we were even on tonight because Facebook is uh, offline tonight. Uh, thank you, Darius, for letting me know. Well, unfortunately, I'm a bad boy and I'm not allowed on Facebook. So um, I'm unable to renew our, how do you describe it? Our, I guess our, our link to the live stream on Facebook. I have to wait till Eric gets back from the furry convention and takes off his tiger suit. And then he can kind of get back to the computer work and maybe uh, rejoin our, our StreamYard link for Facebook. Because he has still a sign in, I guess. So that's what's going on there. Anyway, uh, moving on to the podcast challenge. I think all preppers, old and new alike, should perform a risk assessment and see where they should focus their preps. A few episodes ago, I put a uh, risk assessment matrix in the show notes. I will do the same for this one. Uh, You can find the show notes on uh, on YouTube, on Spotify, and in our Discord chat. That's probably the best place to find them. Do your risk assessment. Yep, and then yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes, and that way you can you can see it. And then yeah, where what's the likelihood of something happening, and where do where should you focus? Cool, uh, upcoming events. So the annual preppers meet is still a go in Desboro, Ontario, uh, the seventh to tenth of July. Uh, you can find info at uh, www.annualpreppersmeet.com. Um, hopefully, if all things get uh, get settled with uh, Eric. He will be there on the Friday doing a ham radio presentation. So um, it'll be interesting. I probably won't be able to make it. There's a, a conflict for me that weekend, which is unfortunate. But um, if you want to, go uh, go check it out. Awesome. Uh, deal of the week. So S&J Hardware, uh, Simon Beeson, he is a, a local... Um, retailer in southern ontario he has a lot of uh, i guess shotgun specific stuff on sale usually but this week he's got glock 17 magazines on sale for 19 bucks which is about a third off um links in the show note there for the uh magpul p mag uh, glock 17 magazine so with all this handgun craze going on we figured it's a good way to uh, get some accessories for your latest and greatest golf clubs uh shout outs anyone else Yep, I'll shout out uh, Ethan and the rest of the crew uh, that came over and helped me today while I was unable to um, help myself uh, doing yard work. I've had a shed that we moved from my new garage. It's been parked right in the middle of my lawn since we moved it to build the garage, and they moved it into its final resting place tonight and or this afternoon. Uh, genuinely could not have done that without you guys, and I really, really appreciate it. And I think we're trying to get Ethan on in mid-July, are we not? Yep, I'm um, trying to book him for the 10th. So he's done some pretty cool stuff over the last uh, year or so, and it'll be a great conversation. Awesome. Uh, as for myself, I Mentor once again for helping me out with stuff that's way beyond my level uh, with automotive stuff. So thank you very much. And uh, Wellsby Roots, he started his own YouTube channel called Wellsby Roots, and uh, it's on bushcraft and preparedness. And I told him I'd give him a shout out. I also told him I'd look at some of his videos before I did that, and I totally did not. So I apologize. I will look at your videos and uh, get back to you on the Discord uh, as soon as I take a a little peek at them. So my apologies. Jeff, anybody? Uh, No, I'm good. Right on. I guess with that, we'll bring uh, episode 164 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please help us out and submit a review. It helps other people find us.
Oh, that's me. Uh, we do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab that gives you alerts when we're going live. You can contact me at Alan, that's with one L, at prepperpodcast.ca. And if you uh, want to reach me, you can just uh, send a message to feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right. Well, you can also find uh, Ian directly by emailing me at theisleofdefeat at gmail.com. And uh, you can also find me occasionally, as much as I'd like, on Canadian Patriot Podcast, which is on iTunes, YouTube. Uh, and we record Monday evenings, I think going back up to 9 p.m. Eastern now. Uh, I'm also the Discord chat for both CPPs. Email us uh, if you want an invite to either Discord. Um, there you can find us discussing why government waste in society has been recruiting for a mag via podcast. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.